Today, we're going to be talking all about failure, specifically stories from you all about failures that you have faced in your author career. I'll be offering some of my commentary on it, maybe even some of my advice. And before we even kick that off, I want to first describe five lessons that we can learn from a failed subscription. Look, bring a lot of authors in this podcast who've had some really, really successful subscriptions. And there's hundreds of authors who have really, really successful subscriptions, making very good money, and thousands who have paid subscribers. All fiction authors that I'm talking about. Although there's definitely authors who are not fiction authors. There's plenty of nonfiction authors succeed in subscriptions. We just tend to focus on fiction authors here. But there's also many more authors who aren't there yet, and we want to help get there, but who might be struggling along the way. And we've tried to highlight that in multiple episodes, focused on helping coach writers to get to the next level in their subscription. Live coaching calls. Why not? We've done quite a few of those episodes. I'll link to them in the description. But today's a little bit different because I still feel like at the end of the day, when we come together in the Facebook group, many of you might be part of the Descriptions for Authors Facebook group, like it's not a, we don't always feel like we can share our failures. Like we've tried to create this safe space to be able to share what we're going through, but it's tough. It can feel embarrassing. We can feel like we don't, even have the right to share a struggle. Why would people want to help us? Other people probably aren't, you know, doing this bad anyway. It's just all my fault. I should just go away. I, maybe I'm projecting what I've thought myself before, but this is how I have felt for years when I'm going through something and it's not working out. It's like, ah, uh, it would be really nice to ask this question in this community, but, but should I? Can I? First of all, you can. We're here to help you. And second of all, should I? Well, hopefully after hearing... A bunch of other authors' stories, their struggles, and how they overcome them with subscriptions that you feel like you can share yours at any time you want and that we can help you because that's what we're here for. But before we get there, five lessons. So with subscriptions, when something isn't going your way, I think there's five key things we can do, five lessons we can learn from that to be able to make a better subscription. But first, how do we know if our subscription isn't going as planned? Well, First, we have to start with what is our goal? What is our goal? What do we want to do with our subscription? It's going to depend a lot on the different stage that we're at in our journey, right? Some authors will be at a stage in their journey where for them, 100 subscribers is a successful subscription. They want 100 paid subscribers. For others, we're just looking for our first paid subscriber, and that's a huge success. Don't let someone else's failure, how what they define as failure, define what you define as failure, okay? It's one key lesson. Then once you figure out whether you reached or didn't reach your goal, you're going to want to ask yourself why, maybe why you didn't reach that goal. And here are five key reasons why you might not be reaching your subscription goals and five lessons we can then take away from that. So the first one is that your tier copy and tier branding just might not be resonating with someone, might not be resonating. And the lesson we could get from this is we can actually focus more on the value that we're giving our readers in the pitch. What do I mean by that? When we go on Amazon, right, we can see all the books on Amazon. And most of them are priced pretty similarly. If you're in KU, there is no necessarily set price for it. It's just the monthly rate that they're paying for the program. This is very similar on most retailers. In a way, the retailer has abstracted the problem of value from you and you just have to blend in with the books and your genre, the covers and descriptions and stand out in a specific way to your target readership. But your subscription is trying to make up for the downside and that 
as the retailers value everything the same, it makes some of the marketing easier on your end, but it ultimately makes having a sustainable income more challenging. Your subscription can help you do that. But how can you communicate that value to your readers that they'll get in return? There's a lot of different ways this could go. And that could be a whole podcast that we record at some point. But the TLDR, the 30-second rundown, is you want to focus on what they're getting. The readers first. And in your tier, maybe three chapters a week is what they're getting. But maybe that resonates with them less than saying something like 100 pages a month. Maybe that feels more substantial. If, you're, if they're getting access to your backlist on subscription, if they're getting access to early books, you might want to be able to quantify that value or at least really emphasize this is what you get. Making that the core of your pitch can resonate with a lot more readers. It isn't always necessary. There's a lot of readers who also just want to support you. But if you're wondering why your subscription might be underperforming, that's something I commonly see. So that's lesson number one is your tier might not be going well and you might want to focus that tier copy to be more focused on the value the reader gets. The second one is that your actual benefits might not be resonating with your readers. That's the second problem. And when our benefits fail to resonate with our readers, my main advice is to simplify, simplify, simplify. Try and take your benefits instead of having 10, go to one or two. And with that one or two benefits, try and really focus in on which ones you think your readers are going to like the most, but we'll get them to sign up. And if they don't sign up, you can then swap those benefits out for another one or two and test them. 10 benefits really overwhelms readers and it can also overwhelm you. So less is oftentimes more in this context. Paradoxically, less is more and you're going to really want to nail down and simplify your tier copy or tier benefits. Lesson number three is that you might want to switch up your marketing channels. Your current marketing channel might not be resonating. And this one's tough. It's tough. And if you're like just starting, you've just sent out one post or one newsletter, I think it's a little bit too soon to call it a failure. But let's say it's been a couple weeks. Let's say it's been a couple months even. If it's still not resonating the way that you want it to, then there's a good chance that maybe you want to be switching up your strategy. It could be as simple as saying, oh, I've been mentioning at the bottom of my newsletter. Maybe I need to put it up at the top. It could be changing up your post format. Maybe on Instagram, your posts have been very salesy, but your readers want it a little bit more conversational when talking about your subscription. Maybe you have to change up the platform entirely. Maybe you should be focusing mainly on your Facebook group or on a serial fiction platform rather than these other outlets. It's very tough to say what you need to do specifically because <laughs> everyone has an individual situation, but that would definitely be lesson number three. It's potentially change up your marketing channel. Number four, lesson number four is that your readers might not be ready to subscribe yet. This doesn't mean that they don't want to. They might not be ready financially, so they might be a future subscriber of yours. They also might want to subscribe, but they're not sure if they trust you enough or if that they're that into your work enough yet. So they're kind of like, you know, into you, but they're not like that far along in the super fan journey. So what you can do is instead nurture them as followers. You can have them follow you in the subscription platform you use. You'll get their email. You'll be able to send them some notifications, send them some benefits, some chapters, some posts every once in a while. They won't get the full experience, but they can start to get a taste of it. And maybe when they are ready for more of it, they'll upgrade. So sometimes if you're seeing a low conversion from free to paid subscribers, you actually want to focus on nurturing your free more before you really push that upgrade. And the last lesson, lesson number five, is to optimize for making it work for your time. Look, if something's going to fail, 
we might as well have it be as low risk as possible. And the biggest asset we have is our time as writers. So maybe you want to spend less time. Maybe you want to make sure the benefit that you're offering is sustainable for you. That's a way that you can fail effectively and a big lesson that comes from subscription failure. But also another thing that comes from it too is the investment that you need to make up front into a subscription is a lot different than a book. Like a book, you need to know what you're doing before you go into it and launch a book, the cover, the editing. With a subscription, you could be offering early access that's unedited. You don't need to spend $50 on getting the perfect tier images and banner. That can come later. You just wanna focus on how quickly can you get your first few subscribers or whatever success looks like for you. So I hope these lessons from failed subscriptions are helpful. Those five lessons, I think, sum it all up. Focus on changing the tier copy. Reduce, simplify your benefits and potentially change them. Change how you're framing your subscription, your marketing, or change where you're marketing it. Focus on nurturing versus selling is lesson number four. And lesson number five is optimizing it for your own sustainability both financially and time-wise. Now, we're going to be getting into a lot of really deep but awesome conversations around the failures you all have faced. Before we actually get into that, I want to share my failures. We're going with the theme of five. I've had five failed businesses. I want to talk to you about my five failed businesses and share the five biggest lessons I learned from it. So let me go back to the beginning of my journey. I was learning about publishing. And I just so badly needed to write. You know, my parents got divorced. And for me, my way of coping with a lot of stuff in my childhood was creating stories. So I did. But I never thought of myself as an author. Not until I had written a book kind of almost on accident. And then a second book. And I was like, maybe I am an author. Okay. Maybe, maybe this is what I want to do. And I didn't know how I could do it, which is why I never really imagined myself doing it. But then I realized, oh, you can publish your book online. Um, first book, I went with more of like a slightly vanity press, which was largely due to a lack of knowledge on my part, which is paying off ignorance debt, which is one of the lessons we'll talk about. But at that time, it was a good experience. I was able to get my product out um, and, and have the first experience of like holding a book, such a powerful feeling, like holding your book. It's one of the best feelings like in the world. I still have the video the first time I held my book, but I kept writing, kept publishing. And without chronicling my whole life story, because this podcast is about you all, okay? I published 12 books. I spent thousands of dollars in advertising, and I never really turned a profit. I spent a lot of money out of pocket, in fact. And I never really confronted what I needed to do when it came to my stories, which was zone in on my target market and my genre and really understand those readers. I never took the time to do that and instead was focused at the surface level of the cover and the description. And I was able to get readers to start reading my book because I knew how to market it. But the read-through rate was much lower because I was so caught up on writing the story that I wanted to tell, which is important, but I wasn't integrating that with knowledge of reader expectations. And I didn't take the time to learn that because I was so caught up on trying to get my next book to have a hit that I stopped reading. I stopped reading completely, which you don't have to read to be a writer, but I probably should have read in my situation. And I published 12 books 
but was on this book a month treadmill because I so desperately wanted to make it. And I wasn't slowing down enough to give myself the space to let my creative side breathe, to actually create the story that would have had that read the rate, that would have resonated to actually make it. And that's why I really plateaued at basically a break-even ad spend and a little over $1,000 a month. And I was able to start to see that my ads are losing effectiveness and I wasn't even very profitable beforehand. So I'm not being profitable going forward. So it felt like I failed as an author. But I took those lessons that I learned, but deep down inside, I didn't feel good enough. And I didn't feel good enough as a writer. So I kind of gave up on that dream. And I was becoming a freshman in college um, and I started YouTube. And my channel on YouTube, taking all the knowledge about thumbnails, engaging audiences, titles from zero to 9,000 subscribers in right about 10 weeks. It was wild, it was wild. But for me, 9,000 subscribers didn't feel like enough. I was so on this treadmill of not feeling good enough that I felt like I needed to make it big at YouTube to prove to myself that I could actually do it. And I started doubling down on my channel, really focused on like algorithmic growth, but I forgot the relationship I have with my community and my readers, or my viewers, I should say. And it, the videos became inauthentic and they sensed that. And I wouldn't say like they revolted at me, but they totally stopped watching my videos as much. And then everything crashed. And my, my peak was $2,500 in AdSense in one month and uh, never got back to that peak. Never got back to that peak. It was about five or 600,000 views in that month, which was a great month. But I mean, at 18, I felt like I was, you know, on top of the world. It was, it was amazing, but it, it ended quickly and it felt like a failure. But now I know how to create viral video, YouTube videos and I wanted to do it again. So I created a second YouTube channel with my friend. We bought a school bus and we were gonna rotate the country. A lot of fun, but very chaotic. And that adventure, we never even fully went through because I had gotten so caught up and trying to meet the market's definition of success that I forgot why I was really doing it. And I failed because I failed my own soul. I failed because I failed to stay true to my creative spirit and instead was just focused on trying to prove to myself that I was good enough by the metric of a view counter. And we only released like six videos in the channel. We ended up filming like 14. And we ended up both losing passion for the project after these viral stunts were really endangering us. We were kayaking to different islands, went to the world's largest open air drug market, went to the back of Joe Rogan's house in a kayak, uh, went to Bryce Hall's house with a keg. Um, I was not 21, so we got someone else to buy the keg for us. Wild, wild videos. We like turned our life into a movie and then we're like, wait, wait, we don't want this. We don't want this. Okay, let's take a step back. We then had gotten offered a deal to live stream for the startup airtime and be one of their top creators in the platform, which is a really interesting experience. And then my goal shifted towards live streaming. I wanted to become a top live streaming creator. And I mean, that was went well. It was a great experience. We were one of the, actually the top creators of the platform for a little while. I live streamed basically a thousand hours, 20 hours a week for about a year straight. But the platform ended up actually not going where it said it was. The product development wasn't there. The features weren't developed. And ultimately, my time as a live streamer, contract ended and it wasn't renewed. No one's contract was renewed. The whole platform kind of went under, which I learned a lot from that, that failure because I learned that some failures aren't fully in my control. But I also learned that maybe I could have picked up on some things better and allocated my time a little bit better. But by that time, I was already onto the new, another thing. It's a startup, it's a technology startup that was supposed to help uh, creators broadly. Um, basically, it was called Chimera. Have a place where they could bring all of their fans together. I thought it was really odd how we had to have TikTok, YouTube, et cetera, and there was no home 
for creative people. So I wanted to create a home for creators, um, not too far away from what I do now with Reem. But um, worked on that over the summer, but we never really found traction for the product, didn't really have the right team. And actually when it ended up stopping, uh, me and one of my co-founders who were like best friends ended up really having a falling out. We're, we're cool now, but it was, it was hard for a while. That was the story of five failed businesses, but it all led me to somewhere important. I actually burned out at the end of this, and I realized that what I was running from this whole time was something inside of me, was really that I didn't feel good enough about myself, and was trying to search for validation in all these different businesses. And in a sense, I had my own failure. And this is where I think the author journey and the hero's journey that we write about is so similar. When we go throughout our lives, we have this own problem, this own inciting incident that we're trying to conquer. For many of us, trying to become full-time authors. And there's going to be a lot of obstacles in the way. Some things that we can control, some things that we can't. Some things that are self-inflicted, some things that are inflicted beyond us. But ultimately, we have to grow as people in this process to learn. And I, for a very long time, took me a lot of mistakes to finally confront within me. And after I did that, I took a six-week break, meditated a lot, started going to therapy, and six months later, I met Amelia and Sean, we started reading. And now a year and a half later, it's been a year and a half since then, um, it's the first thing that I really feel like this is everything I could have ever wanted. And it feels holistically like success. But more importantly, I felt like a success before this. I finally got to a place where I myself felt like a success. Which now gets to my five core lessons before we get into all the failures and struggles with the community from all of you. My five lessons about failure. First, one of the most important one is that you can fail at something and that failing is okay. Failing is actually a good thing, but you are not a failure. I wish I had learned that one because I was the one I struggled the most with. I always felt like I was a failure and it's actually what kept me running from really fixing the mistakes I was making and really confronting what I need to do to become a better person. And by becoming a better person, I would be a better storyteller and a better creative and a better better business person, a better everything, but I was scared of that. So when you realize that you're not a failure, but you can fail at things, and you give yourself the permission to fail, everything changes. So the lesson is that you are not a failure, and the takeaway is that because you're not a failure, you should give yourself the permission to fail at things. Now what happens when you give yourself the permission to fail at things is number two, which is that failing a lot is a good thing. Failing a lot. You should try a lot of things, which means you want to fail fast. Failing fast is lesson number two. And what I would say my biggest takeaway here is that I'm so obsessive that I've failed very fast and tried a lot of things and learned fast. That's because I literally obsess about it 24-7. Like I'm going to be on my goal and this is what I'm doing. And that's both a strength and a weakness. Uh, it could lead someone to burnout. For me, when I combined that tendency with not feeling good enough about myself, it was a very destructive cycle. But when you manage that, there's my own persona. It, it helped me. Okay, but That's just me. For you, no matter how you approach things, you might be like me, you might be different from me, we all benefit from learning quickly. But failing fast isn't just about trying new things haphazardly. It's about basically putting the character arc of your life on steroids. Would you rather come to the realization and the self-revelation after a nine-book epic saga that took 10 years to write or a novella? Would you rather have that same character growth? I would way rather take the novella and have that character growth happen in a novella rather than a nine-book epic saga. If it has to happen in a nine-book epic saga, and it might for certain areas of our life, that's okay. Don't be mad at yourself. But 
failing fast and being able to grow faster is a great thing. And that takes a reflective process and that takes being systematic about your failure, which is lesson number three, which is failing systematically. This is actually a, a weird one um, because it, it you don't often think about failing systematically because failure is so taboo. We don't even feel meant to be comfortable to talk about it, which I'm trying to talk about it so we feel comfortable. But failing systematically is a beautiful thing because it's one thing to fail fast. It's another thing to actually bake those learnings into your life so that you can have a higher probability of success the next time you try something. Tweak what you're doing. And failing systematically has three key tenets. One is that you want to go into the project with a clear goal that you've defined. This will go into lesson number four, so I don't want to totally highlight that, but the biggest thing is that you know what you're getting into. You have a clear picture of this is success, and this would not be my expectations. This would be, we'll say, failure. Again, failure is not a bad thing. Failure could be a great thing. That's important, okay? So then, from there, your whole goal should be to validate whether that result, whether that thing you thought about yourself, about the world, about the market, about your books is true or not. And then have data or experience or some sort of anecdote to back up that hypothesis being true or not. And then you move on. But there's one more important thing. Because we're trying to fail fast, part of failing systematically is being able to build that system that allows us to fail again and fail again and fail again, but continue to shoot higher, continue to reach for more success, and also continue to get better. But that also means that we have to be able to iterate and go through a lot of these cycles, right? The failing fast cycle, we have, it has to happen a lot. We're giving ourselves the permission to fail, to fail a lot. But that means that you never wanna bet the house on one thing working. Betting the house is, is not ever a good idea as a creative entrepreneur. You wanna instead be able to make small bets so that you can test and validate that hypothesis with as little time, effort, capital as possible. And then if you see if that's successful or not, then you could go more all in on it, right? But you don't wanna have to lose the bag so that you can't give it another try. Because failing systematically is not about failing fast and then not doing it again. It's about continuing to go, right? Really the only thing that's truly failure, real failure is giving up. So as long as you can stay in the game, that's the key, which is what failing systematically is all about. But now we get to number four, what is failure even to begin with? Which this is the key key lesson and another really, really important one. You get to define what failure is to you. Perception, self-perception is really what failure is about. If I had to define failure, I would say it's when our expectations of ourselves don't match our perceived reality. Perceived being the key word. So you might perceive something to be a failure, but it's really not. And these are the key moments where we have to maybe adjust our perception. Sometimes it's about adjusting our perception, not our actions. Sometimes it's about adjusting our actions, certainly. And we have to maybe go to a group of people, be able to talk about this. That's a great moment to use the Facebook group. Hey, I just launched and I got five subscribers and I feel like this was a failure. I have 5,000 people on my mailing list and I don't know, I just, I wanted more. Is this is, is this what I should expect or not? And then you can hear from other people. You know what, maybe, maybe you should be thinking about that. But then a danger in looking at other people. Hearing from other people in a CUNY context is great. But when you see other people succeeding, you often can use what their metric is for failure and their metric is for success to define your own failure, to define your own success. Do not do that. Do not do that. You define your failure. You define your success. And that's key because this definition of your own failure is what will play into what you're failing fast at, how you choose to fail fast at, and the system you build to define 
the goals that you have. So it's key, it's key, it's key, it's key. Okay. So what is number five? Number five is the failure mindset, which I know all this has been about mindset, but this is really a failure mindset, which ultimately failure is about taking ownership. Failure is about taking ownership of what you can do to make your life better. And when we admonish responsibility to third-party algorithms, all these other things, we can start to get to a place where we feel powerless, we feel hopeless, and we potentially give up. That's the one thing we can't do. We don't want to give up. We want to keep going. And part of that mindset, the failure mindset, is really the winning mindset. We win when we get better. We win when we get to empower ourselves, be the heroes of our own lives. And Imagine getting to the end of a book and having the character say, all, all is bad. This was all his fault. I'm done. I'm not going to fight you, bad guy. You would, you would put the book down and be like, I hate this author. You, your whole insides would just crawl. But we do this ourselves. So don't be that guy. Don't be that person. Be a hero. Take ownership. Take ownership of what you can do to make your life better. Even when something's out of your control, like, for instance, airtime, you know, literally not panning out the company as it was supposed to be, and contract ending. I had to take ownership and decide what I wanted to do next. What my next move was, was at that point, right when I finished airtime, we'd already worked in our startup that didn't go as planned. And when that airtime contract ended, I wanted to go back to writing fiction, which I did. I wrote my next book. And I wanted to go and finally build something that could help authors with all the problems I faced around the creator economy, connecting directly with my audience, and building next-level publishing and monetization tools. That's what I wanted to do. That was the vision, and I started meeting people in the space. I took action about what I could do. It was a setback. It felt like a lot of time lost, but at the same time, it was a lot of knowledge gained. And we have to take the good sometimes from the bad, even when not all of it's our fault, but take ownership of what we can and move on. That's some lessons about failure. I hope it was helpful. I hope that can help you in your career, both as subscriptions, which we talked about, but then also just in life, in your author life. Now we're gonna talk about some failures in community, which I'm really excited for, and I think this will be some really, really good takeaways. So some of these stories I'm gonna paraphrase because I wanna share, I think, the really good juicy tidbits for everyone here. But Sierra, she mentions that she is a stay-at-home mom and left full-time employment to take care of her kids, which is beyond a full-time job taking care of kids. And you've used some of the money from, from you know your joint family to be able to get started. Book covers, editing. But at this point, you've put out six Why Choose Fantasy books. You do make some money every day, which is awesome. But you're not at the point where you're being able to actually pay back the money that was invested into it and then also be able to actually pay the bills for your business itself. And Sierra mentions that it's it's discouraging sometimes. And I I understand that. So much times, like what what's tough is that it takes oftentimes longer to get to where we want to go and more lessons than we think are needed. Like when we first dive into it, we think, oh, it's just this, but the things that you learn along the way end up sometimes taking longer than, than you think or maybe longer than you want. But what Sierra does mention, which I think is super inspiring, is that the term paying off ignorance debt or simply investing ourselves is a term that they like. And 
quote, I'll stack up my failures until they're tall enough to make a staircase to where I want to be, end quote. I love that. I think that's just such a fantastic mindset and really, really important for us to keep in mind as authors. So I love that. And all I'd say is that when you're investing in yourself and paying off ignorance debt, you know, I think Dave Ramsey's like the financial guy, one of the guys, and I, I don't really listen to his stuff too much. So don't, 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 uh, take, don't go off and listen to him. I can't totally vouch for him, but he's very popular. And I know that he has this like credit card thing where he says, you know, when you are paying off multiple bills that you have debt on, you know, the best thing to pay off first is the thing that you like might have like the ability to pay off most at once psychologically. So let's say you have like four credit card bills you're paying off and four different payments you're making a month. Maybe one is a lower payment, but paying that off first, paying that debt off first, getting that stair first is going to give you the ability to feel like you can get the other ones down, even if they're bigger. So maybe you have a $1,000, you know, payment, $5,000, $10,000 one, and then maybe another $5,000 one. Paying off the $1,000 one, closing out one, completing that lesson, getting that success in can be huge. So sometimes the concept of momentum is really important when it comes to thinking of something like ignorance debt because the temptation can always be then, I want to as efficiently deploy my capital and time and money to pay off that ignorance debt as possible. And if you take that approach, then you would go to your loans, theoretically, right? The loans that you you have on this debt. And you would pay the ones off that are having the highest interest or costing the most. Um, and financially, that can be a smart move. But especially in a creative industry, like publishing, sometimes paying off, this is a metaphorically, but paying off the debt that will be able to build the momentum for you creatively um, is is actually even more crucial. So just some advice there. I love that. Now, I want to share a story from EJ. I'm going to read this one word for word because I think it's a really, really powerful story. And EJ says, I self-published my first novel in 2014, Sci-Fi Romance, when self-publishing was still pretty new. It definitely was in 2014. And sci-fi romance was not yet a thing. No alien romance is really this is this is my commentary. I I I should stop that. Let's just fully go into the quote. Okay. <laughs> it was an objective hit. It went to the top three of a nice big category and sold thousands of copies. I bought a pretty nice car with my royalties. I did everything wrong in the wake of my bestseller. I had half of a sequel written. I didn't finish writing it. Nearly a decade later, it's still unfinished. I've done that too. Sorry, it's not good. Every time sales dipped, I dropped the price to 99 cents and got many more sales, but nothing in royalties. I published my next book, which was a weird little urban fantasy, totally different genre. My readers who were expecting something similar to my first book left kind of reviews saying it was unexpected. For that, you can read, why the heck did EJ give us this weird story instead of the sequel we're all waiting for? I still don't have an answer for that. I didn't understand Amazon categories, I let my books drift into some very strange ones so readers couldn't find them. I'd never read a romance novel and didn't understand how to market either book to romance readers. In 2015, my husband totaled my royalty car on an icy hill. He was thankfully unhurt. I took it as a sign. I stopped trying to promote my books. They sat fallow on Amazon. 
stopped writing anything other than the occasional chapter in an unfinished, meandering fanfiction that I had been writing on and off for years. I learned to knit. In May 2017, a very disturbed young man walked into an Ariana Grande concert wearing a bomb. He detonated it as the concert let out. 22 people died. I live less than 20 miles from where the bomb went off. In an adorable little English village, the farmer up the lane still delivers eggs and her sheep graze in the hill behind my house. My daughter's high school is in walking distance of our house. She and her classmates were extremely excited about Ariana Grande coming to their hometown. My daughter didn't go to the concert because she was still pinning over One Direction's breakup, but many of her friends did. A friend she'd been planning a big shopping trip with for their upcoming school trip to France didn't come home. In the wake of the arena bombing, I processed a lot of grief. The little English village we'd moved to after 9-11 wasn't safe anymore. Something the counselors we saw and I read said over and over was to write down our feelings. I did. Those feelings became the basis of my next book. My hero needed total control. My heroine wanted to surrender control in a safe space. In the tension between the two characters' needs, I found a place to unpack all those feelings I had about the loss of the illusion of safety. I published Daddy P.I. in April 2020. It's a very spicy mystery romance. Readers of my first two books were nonplussed by this complete departure from anything I'd written before, but I'd spent some of those anxious hours sitting at my computer, grappling with grief, researching. I'd read widely in my subgenre. I understood romance tropes. I'd looked at thousands of covers. I had an inkling of how Amazon's categories worked. I knew how to market this book. It's now a series with three main novels, three spinoffs, and two short story collections. I'm still making mistakes. Independent publishing is an ever-evolving landscape. But I tidied up my categories in all spots. I found a way to tie my weird urban fantasy into a new paranormal romance series. Readers love the crossover characters. And I began getting reviews from my daddy PI readers, my paranormal and sci-fi books, saying they'd taken a chance on genres they didn't normally read because they liked my writing. I realized I had super fans. I opened a subscription service to appeal to them. The income from my subscription service gave me the confidence to cut down my day job to two-third time so I can devote more time to my writing. Damn it, I'm going to finish this sci-fi romance sequel this year. We hear the adage, publishing is a marathon, not a sprint. It's definitely been true in my case. As I come up with my 10th year of publishing, I know I can go to the distance. I know that success for me is not measured in stars, or reviews, or even pennies. It's measured in messages from readers who say my stories made them feel safe again, even if for only an hour or two. It's measured in the joy I take in writing the stories that made them feel that way. I won't have shift to my horizons, find my own definition of success, if I haven't struggled and failed first. Yours, EJ. Wow. That was really, really beautiful. I don't know if I have anything else to say to that besides I did the same thing with writing in a genre that I didn't research. And that was part of my impatience. And part of one of my, my biggest mistake really was thinking that I understood my readers more than I really did. That was my biggest mistake. And I wasn't willing to confront that and take the time to just sit down and write because I was so desperate because I didn't feel good enough about myself to reach success because I couldn't stand not feeling good about myself every day. So it became this rush to reach success, which was sabotaging myself because I wasn't taking the time and space to breathe and do all the research that EJ did, the tropes, the covers, etc., that really were needed. Like the one thing I did was descriptions and covers because they were easy relatively to just flip through and go, okay, these are the patterns, but I didn't dive into the stories, into the readership, into the community, 
And that was my biggest problem because that was my biggest problem for obvious reasons. The actual story um, was not coming from a place of the deep empathy that it needed to. It was coming from what I thought it needed to be, which may have been good to some folks, and it was, but it didn't hit the market like it needed to. So EJ, you reminded me even more of my my own struggles. And certainly if I hadn't made those mistakes, I wouldn't know how to do it the right way now. So I'm right with you, EJ. Nicole York, this is, this is a great comment. I wanted to highlight it because it's not exactly a story, but I think it's an important reminder of everyone, which Nicole says that I wish people could understand that success requires failure. Failure isn't the end of anything. It's a stepping stool that teaches what you need to know so you can get where you always want to be. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on that completely. Now we have a very, very intense but amazing story from Deanna Roy, which Deanna Roy was actually on our podcast. She is the creator of the Great Pickle Patreon, and she's awesome, awesome, awesome person. And Deanna says that I lost my entire six-figure career in a single year by pivoting into a genre that failed after a six-book rapid release that I spent almost a year prepping for. Started looking for a day job, but the pandemic arrived. I had a special needs kid doing virtual learning. I was known for ugly cries, but I had one successful rom-com. I bet everything on one book, spending all my limited credit on a Facebook ads course and five grand in ads. I asked for help. Several authors wrote a blurb and put me in their newsletters, result of being a part of a CUNY for years, and I killed it. Still killing it nine rom-coms later. My addition of a subscription has been delightful, and I feel more secure in my author career than I did before the crash. These fans are with me through thick and thin. I'm grateful. Wow. Wow. I, first of all, had a six-book series as well that totally flopped that I kind of bet the farm on, including Facebook ads, and the Facebook ads didn't resonate with it, totally due to my lack of deep research into the cyberpunk market, um, which I should have done before writing a six-book series in it. And I had written those six books before even releasing the first book. I wish I had released the first book and then started to realize, maybe... Maybe I shouldn't finish this one because this series maybe needs to lay fallow for a little bit. But <sighs> amazing story. I'm so happy that you're able to stay home with your kid. And I'm so happy that you're doing better than ever now. Two stories now where subscriptions have really helped the author be part of the success story, which I love. Rebecca says, I wrote my first novel at 26, published through Vanny Publisher, I did that too. We're making all the same mistakes. I did a vanity publisher too for my first book. We're, we're in it. Uh, keep in mind, this was back in 06 before the self-publishing landscape is what it is today. It was in 2017 for me. So it's less, it's, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, way before Kindle or Wattpad or anything like that. Spent thousands of dollars and was basically lied to and told that my book would be marketed and it never was. I love my mom and wish for her back every day, but she only saw one way of doing things, and wouldn't let me publish anything online for free and gain an audience before I published this book. She had a very boomer mentality and didn't realize it was a possibility of failure, or if she did, she didn't want to acknowledge it. Me being young and eager to please her believed it was because it was my mom, and of course, I was going to believe her. Sigh. It was a learning experience that was for sure. From now on, I'm going to go with my gut and publish things the way I want to. I'd rather have an audience to tell the truth. Rebecca, I... I think this is a really important insight because ultimately you get to define what success is for you. You get to define what failure is and your own path. And it's important 
Not to let other people define that for you now. You don't want to necessarily be completely closed out from the world, but letting one person dictate that for you also is not a great idea either. Um, but love your mom, and obviously, just like any parent, I'm sure she had the best in mind for you. Casey says, to be honest, this caught me on a vulnerable night. No matter what I do, how much I spend, how much effort I put into it, I just can't get people into my books. I won a nice award and finaleed in a major contest, so that makes me think that the writing is there, but I can't get people to pick up the book. I finally hired someone very good at Amazon ads, and I spent more than I really had to spend, and they are failing as dismally at selling my stuff as I was. I don't have any big dreams about being a six-figure author, but it would be nice to at least break even on spend, let alone the time. I've gotten some important emails that have made it all worth it, but dang, some days it's really a struggle. Deb then responded to that by saying, thank you for sharing this. Sounds like me, and I'm crying as I dictate because I realize we're not alone. Not even this singular adventure of being an author with a stellar author community. Not finding your readers and waiting and, and waiting for super fans, even when you do all the things, it's excruciatingly painful. There are a lot of days that I feel like giving up on my multi-award winning little series. Michael Evans, it's been a year since I published anything, and I'm in a bit of a paralytic state just thinking about publishing book three, let alone book four. Not making connections and audience for these books shatters my heart and binds my mojo. So this introvert me is back to hiding in research mode and trying to work through what I need to give myself. I believe it's hope I need most during this phase of this adventure or plot twist. Hope for deeper relationships, understanding, and connection. Heather says that my biggest failure is that I didn't believe in myself to get at it sooner and just do it. I really wanted to turn our stories into something, but I was scared and dragged my feet. Since I'm the steam engine behind the collab with my wife, nothing happened, except it wasn't nothing. I learned to meet an editor. I immersed myself in any publishing ecosystem. Ran a writer's group for Sterling and Stone. Those guys are great. I said that and hurt, but I think they're great. Um, which I took over for my own when they stepped their educational branch. And then I took a deep breath and applied all I've been learning to make our RP stories into something. I hope eventually others can join. But it's been about 12 years in between and it sure feels like a lot of wasted time doing nothing if I'm having a bad day. But I know it's not, not really. That's another really important thing. We have to realize that our past struggles we can't hold against us. And in the case of, of Deb, who is feeling really beaten down right now, which I totally understand, just wanna say, I know you could do this. I've been in that same feeling before where I've blown tens of thousands of dollars on multiple business endeavors. The five that I described to you, I was, you know, literally like in Pennsylvania on a cold winter morning after having crashed my car while filming a YouTube video. And I felt like I was never going to get out of this hole. And I felt like, like I was never, ever going to be able to make it. But it was all those failures that has led me to where I am today and led me to who I am. And when you love yourself for who you are and you realize that your past experiences shape that, you start to begin to love even the darkness in a different way. And I know that you can do this. And I know if you keep the winning mindset of failing fast, but failing in a way in which you still love yourself and can learn from it, you're going to get somewhere awesome. You're going to get somewhere awesome. Stephanie says that my failure is I thought I could post on a routine schedule like everyone else does, but I can't. My literal brand name is the Dopamine Demon because I struggle with dopamine production, which means routine is hard. I turn this into my success by compromising with myself. I'll post a short a week and then dump an entire book when it's written. In between, I'll foster my community with posts, graphics, curb upcoming. I gain a subscriber and now have 13 followers. P 
People get it as long as you're honest about it. So yeah, my shortcoming is I can't be consistent or reliable like other subscriptions are. My strength is that I find, write like a fiend and try to over-deliver as much as possible. Balance. To be honest, this is me. Um, I'm not very consistent. Look at us, two podcasts, one week, two podcasts. The next week, then we'll drop down to one. And the only reason I'm consistent is because I literally will film like 10 podcasts in a week and then hand it off to the editor to do uh, later. And back when we didn't have an editor, I was not consistent with this podcast. As you will see, if you look back with the publishing history of this first year. So I just understand to that because I struggle with the same thing with dopamine. And um, a lot of that too probably played into some of the weaknesses that you heard and some of my own failures. But your failure can be a strength if you let it. And so part of that is building your life around it so that you don't let someone else's success define what success is to you. And I've had to work hard at that, but you've done an amazing job. And I love that you're making promises that you can keep in a way that you can keep. And sometimes that means that making promises on a time-bound kind of area isn't a great idea. It's going to be a completely different kind of commitment that you make to your readers. And that's okay. Laura, hello, Laura. Laura says, when I changed genres from MF romance to why choose and pivoted from trad to indie, I knew nothing about marketing or self-publishing and I had no confidence. I spent $800 a month for many months straight in marketer who never even bothered to read any of my books, never helped me develop marketing strategy or plan any kind, never helped me niche down or I got branding, who steered me into completely unprofitable and expensive social media blasts, who never told me I was writing a very niche trope techie sci-fi why choose that very few people wanted and that's why the books would never really sell she didn't know because she never read a word of my stuff whose graphics were consistently and totally off vibe with what i was writing since she never read it i read androgynous heroes and her ad models were bearded lumberjacks Oof. i just put up with it because i have no graphic skills myself so it felt like that or nothing i think i spent about 5k in this person before i realized that even though I knew very little about marketing, I could surely do better on my own than with her, which was so true. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, for booting her to the curb felt terrifying. And I was alone. It was one of the better decisions I made. I just needed the confidence and eventually I found it. But I lost so much money to reach that point. You know, I did the same thing. I was scared about Amazon ads and I thought that like I wasn't able to market my books because I didn't know it that well. So I hired someone who didn't really know much about my books to Amazon ads. And I'm not saying that there aren't great people, but it did not work out for me. And I lost a good bit of money. And after that, I've been very slow in a good way to hire people. I mean, I think the, the saying is hire slowly, fire fast. And I think you learned a great lesson there, especially as you your career grows and your team grows in the future. Jean Hall says, or J Jenny Hall says, can totally relate. My debut is Trad Published in 2016. I thought I'd made it, only to clear a grand total of $40. Oh, after that, I went dindy. After seven years in iBooks, I considered a huge win if I make three figures a month, which I haven't done in over a year. I spent double what I make in AMS ads, starting to think stopping those might be wise. I might concur with you there. Still, I count all this as my learning curve. Is it taking me a while to figure this out? Yes. But I am figuring this out and accepting new paradigms is a way to grow my business. My day job is as a ghostwriter, which means I get to write for a living. I love that. So it's all good. I don't want to look back at this time. In the future, I'll see this as a crucial time in my growth and my way to success. That's actually a gift. I totally agree with you. On the note of like seven years of and nine books, if you've been writing AMS ads for all seven years and paying double, I believe it. But if you've been writing running AMS ads for like a year and you've been spending double, then I would be looking at what are you learning from that? Do you think you've learned all the lessons you can from that? Um, 
And do you think you can get it to trend positively? And if you don't feel like that right now, maybe you should turn it off. If it's only been like a month or two months, then you're maybe it's still a little too early to actually have learned what you need to learn there yet. Verena says, failures are necessary to appreciate success. My biggest failures, not all publishing related, are lost a six-figure corporate management job due to the pandemic practically overnight. I'm unemployed since that day, August 2021, due to my age, 59. Published a series of six romance novellas that uh, from November 21st to February 22, only to realize it's not to market and lost all, a lot of my savings to courses, ads, and bad advice. Got myself a job as a call center agent to pay the bills and went on a writing hiatus for the remainder of 2022. Is this a failure? Started writing again and published a new books series from Jan 2023 to date, almost to market, I earn roughly $100 each month. Built a subscriber list of 1,800 and an ARC team. There's absolutely no extra money available to me at present, so I have to rely on organic and free marketing. Once a week, I have a decent cry and taught myself out of giving up. I do want to say that you're still so early in this, and I know you can do it, and you're writing... You're making progress, but losing your job is really tough. And we were talking earlier about being able to fail fast and try a lot of new things. But when you're in a position where your financial situation really, really changes, the privilege in which you have to be able to fail fast and fail a lot changes. We all have different abilities to do so, but I can, I can definitely empathize with that's a tougher situation. I believe in you. Pursuing your passion is totally what matters. And I'm also happy that you have a job as a call center agent because I know that helps and that's important. So just keep at it and keep it fun because ultimately if you don't make it fun, then you're not going to be able to stick around for the two to three years it's going to take to get to a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars a month. So keep it fun. That way you have as much motivation to get up and keep learning even when it's challenging. Susan says, I've never been good at marketing. I tried Amazon ads and Facebook ads and they sucked up my money and only gave me small sales in return. The only problem is every time I turned off the ads, I got no sales at all. So I try again and keep the ads running, even though they were costing me way more than I was making. Thought maybe it was just, it could be some benefit of people finding my books, but I had to stop. Just costing too much. Nowadays I have six crappy Amazon ads running they give me the occasional sale and don't cost the earth and nothing else besides some book funnel group promos. I'm gearing up to use subscriptions with Ream and Wattpad and Royal Road to get me started, then concentrate on funneling people to them. I do have a lot of views on a short story on Wattpad and lots of views on my other books on Radish. I've done a lot of things that didn't work and I've learned a lot. I have five books out and I'm writing my sixth. My biggest problem with writing this new series in the new genre is that I don't feel like I'm good enough. I read a little bit of one of my other books the other day when I was copying into Atticus and thought, you can write good stories, you idiot. Hey, I love that. that. That's you growing right there, realizing that you actually are good enough. And that's the biggest thing I know I felt and I struggle with. I know so many other writers struggle with is like feeling like we just aren't good enough at this. And maybe sometimes going to unreasonable and unhealthy lengths to try and seek validation. But I'm happy that you've reined in your ad spend and I'm happy that you're also appreciating yourself. It just takes time. It just takes time to see all this come through. But getting a lot of views on Wattpad and, Royal, and Radish is amazing. Louise e says, my main failure is wasting money on courses and companies that I thought would help. They didn't, and I didn't get any benefit from them other than a severe case of uneasiness whenever I do want to try a course now. I also spent money being a part of anthologies that went nowhere and gave me no more visibility than I already had. Yeah, I understand. And 
ultimately, the whole thing with thinking that any one course or any one service provider, any one platform is going to be the answer to everything, it's it's not oftentimes true. It's not oftentimes true. And a lot of people try and sell you on that. It's going to be the one thing that's going to get you over. And sometimes it can be. Sometimes insights can help you pay off your ignorance debt. But it's thinking about it in that context of what do I need to learn to get to where I'm going to go? But at the same time, no one's going to be able to give you all the keys. No one's going to be able to give you all the answers. And if it was as easy as just buying a course and having a service provider, then everyone would do it, right? So there's it's putting it into your ecosystem and a system in which you can systemically fail and systemically learn and improve. And it, it's really tough because most of the courses and service providers don't have that kind of training baked into it. So we just have to learn how to fail on our own. But I hope this podcast and this conversation has helped you all learn how to fail a bit more systematically. Um, yeah. Nora says that the thing about failures is that they're all lessons to teach you so much about yourself, your writing, your business. I've had a few over the past nine years as an author, but one of, if the if not the biggest, was spending three years writing a trilogy. I'm a very slow author to hit a trending genre. And the signs were all there, even during the process of writing book one, that this wasn't a good idea. I dreaded writing, I couldn't connect with my characters, I hated the little process, and eventually I burned out hard to the point of still recovering four years later. But I stubbornly proceeded, thinking I had to get in on that niche. And surprise, surprise, reception of that book was very lukewarm. But now I'm committed, so I spent two more years being miserable finishing the trilogy. And let's just say it's going to be a long, long time before those books earn enough royalties to justify three years' work in them. But again, the thing about failure is that you learn that experience taught me so much about my own limits, but also my strengths. Primarily, I learned that as an INFP, if I don't love writing a book, chances are it isn't going to land with a wider audience either. I also learned valuable lessons to taking care of my creative spirit and about the value of evergreen versus trendy trips when you're not a fast writer. Granted, I would have loved to learn all this without burning out, but that's my own fault for not picking up this lesson sooner. Yeah, no, I... Whew, that, that rings true to me. <laughs> I've One of my genres, when I was going out to my third series, it was a post-apocalyptic EMP survival thriller that I pretty much wrote because I saw it trending and doing well. And I don't dislike the genre, but my heart isn't fully with it, and I also didn't do the required research. So... It didn't hit for me like I was expecting, so I am right with you on all of this. Karen says, they are only failures if you define them as such. This is such an important line, the most important one. I've been thinking about this post, and I can highly relate to the minimal sales thing. I've been author for 11 years, and I've never made a book. I had some success in my first books, but it slipped after that. It could easily be considered a failure, but I didn't see it that way because I didn't quit. I simply juggle a lot of things. I didn't really treat publishing as business for a long time. I'm only just beginning to do that now. You know, that's actually refreshing though. If you're not treating it as a business and you're more treating it from like a hobby, creative passion, and that's not even a, an idea for you, that can almost give you like the permission to fail in a completely different way. Because that's, that's the biggest thing that I, I think maybe I didn't iterate earlier is that like permission to fail is so important. So many of us don't give ourselves the permission to fail, but when we don't even think about failure, we give ourselves the permission to experiment and try. And that's kind of a beautiful thing. So I think that's actually kind of an asset rather than a bad thing that you didn't treat your business for a while. And I'm glad that you're treating it as a business now, but I hope you still give yourself the permission to experiment and to fail occasionally because that's normal. Vivian says, doing everything as correctly as I could for my UF series in 2017, 2018 and still not reaching what I wanted. Readers never cared for the characters as much as I did. Hey, I do not think that's true about all your readers. There were definitely some readers who cared about your character just as much as you did. 
I'm willing, I'm willing to bet on that one. Amelia Hill says that it's weird that even though on paper my failures are financial, in my head my failures are all around who I am. I constantly struggle with imposter syndrome, whether or not I'm a real writer, comparing myself to others, and being really, really introverted. And I don't even know if being financially successful would change all that. So I just deal with it the best I can. Yeah, I I feel you here. You know, I think this goes back to the sort of big takeaway of you are not a failure. And I don't want you to feel like a failure ever. Like you as a person are a success just by being who you are. And I know it's hard, but I definitely think it's something to just really try and take to heart as much as we can. But you opening up about that is is really important because we're not always gonna feel like we're a success. We're always gonna have these moments where we feel like we are not enough and it's important to ground ourselves, whether it's by talking to people we love, you know, just going outside, doing doing something that is therapeutic for us to just bring us back to, wait, no, we are okay and we are a good person. The next thing is from Michelle, Michelle. Michelle says that I published my first book back in 2013, Women's Fiction, and I had no idea what I was doing back then. I published the second book in 2014. I, I planned to make this trilogy, but I've never written the third book because I saw the first two books not selling very well. They aren't the greatest books now that I've reread them 10 years later, so now I'm switching genres and planning to write sweet small-town romance. I was doing pretty good writing the first book until I broke my ankle back in June, and the writing came to a complete haul. I had planned to write and get the first book done by the end of summer before I started back to the day job at a school a couple weeks ago. I feel like I've wasted so much time. I think it's fear of success or failure comparing myself to others or probably even imposter syndrome weighing on me. I started a shop first in Shopify but moved it to Payhip. I couldn't afford to run ads so it didn't do very well. I also couldn't afford to keep paying $39 a month for Shopify. Back in the first of June, I turned my subscription on Ream and I still don't have any subscribers. I have no idea what to do to attract readers because I don't think Wattpad or other platforms like that will work for me. How do I regroup myself and get myself inspired to move forward? I see other authors succeeding and wish I could do the same thing. And I sit down in my cozy little office and think about writing. Then I don't. I find excuses or other things to do instead. You know, I think one of the biggest things I recommend doing is to just return to that passion for writing. I can tell that you've really dove in deep on the business end of things, setting up Shopify, Payhip, and Ream, and all that's great. But you published your first book in 2013, second book in 2014, and between then and now, how much have you written? That's not clear from this post. I'm sure you have written, but I'd love to just see you keep returning to the passion of writing, that fire that brought you there in the first place. I think that's important. Um, and to succeed in the process being the important thing. Shirley shares that my idea in a nutshell, I started when I became ill. I made some bad decisions while on morphine for the pain and lost my whole pension to scammers. Wow, these were very sophisticated scammers and even fooled some financial advisors, which made me almost lose it. Suicidal thoughts were there, but my family is too precious as is my life and I still have my books to write. I was lost with so much guilt. Totally, I thought at the time I'd lost everything, but I still have my loving partner, John. Bless him and my dog, Jess, my brothers and sister. And I'm so, so grateful. I have no email subscribers yet, no nothing, except I have been traditionally published a long time ago, around 20 years. 
So to do this is exciting because I was so overwhelmed and I'm scared. And my new series promises to be sexy, funny, and original. Strangely enough, I heard of Reem. I think the Cosmos sent Michael. So I'm aiming to hopefully talk to Michael again, but think this is exciting. Fingers crossed. I'd also like to add the ad school have been brilliant with me too. Well, surely I have loved getting to know you this summer and I'm just so sorry about what you've been through. That is uh, a really, really hard experience. And I, I'm sorry. I, getting scammed like that is just horrific and is amazing that you're coming back from it, continuing to pursue your passion and do what you can do every day to show up and love the people around you. You have incredible strength and I'm just proud of you for continuing on and thankful that you shared this very moving story with us. Then we have Kale. Kale, hello. Kale says that paying off my Instagram set is going to be one of my mantras for my mistakes from now on. My failures was one, doing what other authors were doing and not what worked for my personality or skill set. Two, figuring if I spent enough money on advertising, then I would surely succeed. And three, not developing my email list early. And four, being product oriented, not relationship oriented. Those are really succinct like mistakes that you've made that you've outlined for us. And I think ones that we can all relate to. I definitely can relate to number two. I did that. Um, three, I don't think I ever emphasized the email list enough. And I think I've now started to do that. But but right with you there. And, and number one is interesting because I feel like I'm always trying to like see what others are doing and get inspiration and then make it my own. But figure out what things I actually should make my own and what things I should just leave. What things I shouldn't do. And that's always really challenging. So I feel like that's an ongoing challenge. Wow. This was this was a lot, and that is all the failures uh, that you all shared, all the struggles you all have shared, and I hope it was helpful. I hope together we we learned together. We had a, a deep conversation about these things, and that by the end of this, you feel less alone. Now, I do want to share what I think are some of the important things, kind of to sum up a lot of what we talked about when it comes to failure. And I think my big takeaways coming out of this are we have to give ourselves the permission to fail. We all make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes. We have to give ourselves permission to do that and not beat ourselves up, not hate ourselves for it. But we do have to make changes because mistakes are mistakes that we want to fix going forward. Another thing is that it's not a, like a fast process always to figure all of this out. And there's a lot of things that you just need to try and fall on your face sometimes to figure out what works for you, what writing style is best, what genre you like or what genres you like, how you like to approach marketing, what social media channels are best for you. All these are questions that sometimes less overanalyzing and more trying is what's best. But in the process of trying, we have to be okay with knowing that not everything's going to work out and that's part of the process. Ignorance is key because the key is not being ignorant of what it takes to be successful. It's being ignorant of what it takes for you to be successful. And that is a sort of process, a sort of knowledge that only you can have. And it only you can gain it by pursuing your journey, by making mistakes, and at times failing. But when you fail to meet your expectations, when the outcome fails to be what you want it to be, that if you use it correctly, if you confront that failure and figure out why, 
figure out how you can do better next time will be what leads you to success and will be invaluable. I hope this was a good podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I do recommend joining the Facebook group because then you'll be part of conversations like this and could be featured in a future podcast just like this. In the meantime, hope everyone has an amazing rest of the day. I hope this was helpful. Look, subscriptions are a new thing. We're all trying to start this as this industry is shifting and as we're all trying to take more control of ourselves as authors, take more control of our career and be able to connect more deeply with our readers. But if something doesn't go as planned, the beauty of subscriptions is that you can make changes anytime. You can make changes to your tiers. You can make changes to your pricing strategy. You can make changes to anything you're doing. And that's the beauty of failure in the context of subscriptions. Nothing's permanent. And every day is a new day to change what you're doing and continue providing amazing experiences to your readers. I'll see you all in the next one. In the meantime, don't forget, storytellers rule the world.